The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to Season 3 of The Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an agile age. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of CareerGig and host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how large organizations can become and stay more agile by adopting a gig or project-based approach internally. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Edie Goldberg, founder of E.L. Goldberg & Associates and author of the book, The Inside Gig. First, uh, Edie, welcome to the show. And uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and, and what drove you to your current area of focus? Well, Greg, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to uh, chat with you and your audience about everything Agile. Uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, I have a, a background, a, a PhD actually in industrial and organizational psychology. And I think that for me, what that really gave me was kind of a love for systems thinking of really understanding what's going on in the broader environment. How does everything connect together? Um, and I have been a talent management consultant for over 30 years now. So a lot of time in the business and I'm a little a bit of an odd duck in that I'm a career consultant. So I've always worked in a consulting firm after I got out of graduate school. And about in 2014, um, I started working with a group of other uh, chief HR officers and other HR thought leaders on a project around the future of work. And what we were really trying to do was to advance kind of the future of human resources as a profession by really understanding how companies were going to have to adapt and change as a result of all the changes that were going on around the workplace. And then importantly, kind of how did HR need to step up and change and build new capabilities to support this new way of work? And so that kind of got me into this mindset about what's changing, you know, about the way that we work and, and got me pretty excited about the future. And a colleague of mine who was working on, you know, one of the other project teams in this future of work project, she, she approached me and told me that, you know, she needed help her company become more agile um, and really help their employees to continuously update their skills because the skill sets in their industry were really, really rapidly changing. And so she asked me to help her build a whole new talent operating model for how that company would operate that would create this more kind of agile approach to work. And 
Uh, that work and the amazing success that the company had as a consequence of what we did really led us to both want to change the way people work. We want to help people to focus on, you know, um, creating a, a way of work just to focus on the way work gets done and don't box people into a job that might limit how they can contribute to the organization. And when you do that, when you let people be more agile at work, uh, it, it create, builds this agile workplace. So think about a new approach that provides our employees with diversity and choice in the work that they do and letting them follow their, their passions and their interests and let them leverage all of the skills and experiences that people have, not just what they were hired to do in their job, but let them opt into projects and say, hey, I can help on that because I have skills and experiences maybe that you didn't know about me. So yeah. that's, that's a little bit about kind of what brought me into it and, um, and kind of what's created this new way of working for me. Great, great. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to to talking more, and I think we're gonna we're gonna touch a little bit more on that um, now. And I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the ideas in your book, uh, the Inside Gig. Um, so first, for those um, you know those listening, could you kind of summarize? I think you even touched a little bit on on some of it, but could you you know summarize the the overall premise and and kind of the the big idea? Yeah. Uh, so I really believe that our business's lands landscape is rapidly changing. And of course, that demands that our workers be constantly reskilling. So the future really belongs to companies that can access and deploy the talent that they need quickly and efficiently. And we believe that organizations have a tremendous amount of untapped talent within their organization that we're just not effectively optimizing or utilizing. So the inside gig is fundamentally about a new talent operating model that helps companies to unleash the capacity that they have inside by allowing employees to be more dynamically matched to project opportunities based on the skills people have or opportunities for learning. And so since most of us our knowledge workers, if we think about breaking our job down into a series of projects, then we can identify maybe a project here or there that we might want to opt into because it meets our personal needs. Maybe it leverages a skill that we have that we don't use regularly at work, or it's about learning something new that's of interest to us. Yeah. So I refer to these projects we're, we're opting into as inside gigs, in, internal projects. Gotcha. And, and we've seen that, you know, when companies use this approach, that they can increase organizational productivity, they can reduce costs because they're leveraging their own internal talent versus going out and hiring contractors always to do that work. And importantly, it increases employee engagement because people are doing work that they are choosing to opt into. It's really cool. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, this makes this makes a ton of sense to me. What do you think from a company perspective, what, is, what are some of the biggest barriers to 
to doing this adopt it. And again it makes it makes a lot of sense when you're when you're explaining it why you know why don't companies just all of a sudden do it what are what are kind of the the hurdles to 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 doing it i i think the biggest hurdle is the manager mindset right so we we have always op op well, most managers operate from a mindset of talent scarcity, right? These are my employees. Don't touch them. They're mine. Hands off. Uh, and, um, you know, these are the resources that I have to get work done. And so, you know, we see in research, you know, many managers resist allowing their employees even the opportunity to go explore a different job within the company. You know, it's frequently said that it's easier to get a job in a different company than to get a different job within your own company. So we need to shift a manager mindset from this idea of talent scarcity to a mindset of abundance where they see all of the talent in the company as a potential source uh, or resource to help them solve their business challenges. Yeah. So looking at the, uh, looking at the the employee experience version of this you touched on this a little bit but you know wondering if you could expand a little bit how does this improve the the employee experience when when companies adopt this um so I, you know i re- i recall in one of your uh, previous podcasts you talked about silos right yeah and, yeah. and how they prevent us from having a great customer and employee experience right when employees work on projects with maybe with new leaders or coworkers from other functions, they get exposed to different leadership styles and ideas from people with from different disciplines than they have. And I think that builds business acumen and agility at the individual level, right? Because all these new experiences make us more agile as a person. And I think that today's complex business challenges really require interdisciplinary teams to help us solve our problems because they are so complex. So by leveraging inside gigs to get work done, employees, the employee experience is improved because individuals then have more control over what their learning experience is or how they might contribute. And I think it, it starts to create more of a consumer-like experience to work. So much like, you know, the gig economy has for freelancers on the outside, they get to opt in and choose the projects. Yeah. Um, but an important thing to, to keep in mind here is the research tells us that only one out of three millennials feel that one out of three millennials feel that their skills are actually underutilized within their company. So when we let employees opt into projects of interest, they get to fully leverage their skills and experiences to make an impact at work. And that is a key to improving the employee experience and improving employee engagement. I would also imagine it helps an employee understand the company so much better because of just diversity of experience, right? I mean, it, it, I would almost say in addition to that, I mean, it helps the employee be a better, um, be better in their profession because it's almost like cross training, but also with the company, they get kind of more ingrained in the company because they're more bought in. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, when we're working in our own function, we only see things through our lens 
And when we are working, collaborating with people, you know, in different disciplines across the organization, you start to see how your work plays into the greater whole of what you're trying to do. And importantly, how your work may impact another part of the business. And so, you know, I think that all this, you know, cross company exposure um, builds a greater understanding of the business, a big, bigger understanding of, you know, what we're all trying to achieve together. And I think that'll really ultimately optimize our outcomes um, yeah. by thinking, you know, less siloed and more kind of understanding the bigger picture. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. Um, well, let's let's switch gears for a second here. Um, yeah. We when we spoke earlier, um, back to the the topic of, of agile. Um, I love to love to talk about this in, in different ways here. So, um, you know, you had mentioned the the concept of like there's big A agile and small right. A agile, and while both are necessary, there's a distinction. Do you mind sharing your your thoughts on that? I thought it was I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, So I refer to big A Agile as companies that are aligned with the concepts of the Agile manifesto, right? And that really kind of came out of software development, but more recently has been applied to both hardware development as well as other disciplines like like human resources. Um, And it's really big A Agile is really focused on iterative development of products or processes that evolve through these collaborative efforts of cross-functional teams. So that's big A Agile. Small A Agile refers to, I think for me, refers to the more general concept of being adaptive as opposed to our our fairly set teams and hierarchies and processes that we have. So for me, little A Agile is about moving fast. Um, we've seen a lot of small A agile throughout this pandemic, right? Yeah. Being able to send everybody home to work from home was a huge agile pivot on everybody's part. And the formation of rapid response teams to address both opportunities and challenges presented by the pandemic is another demonstration of companies being agile. Yeah. So for me, when a company moves from a strict, you know, hierarchical, functionally driven organization to more of a, a team of team structure where teams can form and expand and contract based on the changing needs of the customers or emerging business opportunities, that company will be more agile and able to rapidly respond to their changing business dynamics and to really capitalize on business opportunities, which I think is really important right now. Yeah. So do you think you, you brought up the uh, the, the adaptation um, because of the pandemic? What are your thoughts as far as, do you think that the, the types of changes and, and agility and, and ad- adaptivity that have been shown over the last, let's say year almost now, um, while time flies, but, um, do you think that companies have learned how to adapt better because they were forced to change quickly? Or do you think it, you know, in other words, is, is, is agility something that you think companies have learned how to do better because of this, or are we going to be back back here again in three years when some other, you know, some other um, thing strikes or, or something like that? Well, I think companies have been very surprised about their ability to be agile 
uh, right now. And that was like, you know, we thought the digital transformation process project was going to take three years and then we had to do it in three weeks, you know? Right, right. Um, uh, So I think, you know, in 2020, companies were really responding to a pressing emergency and that's why they were agile. And like, we learned that we can like really quickly break things and, you know, make them better. Um, And I don't think people knew that they could do that, right? They just thought, you know, oh, we've just been stuck in this this, uh, older way and slower pace. Um, So I think it will give people more confidence in the future, Um, but I think you know, we, we've learned a lot of lessons in 2020 about what's possible. And I think in 2021 and, and, and moving forward, it's going to require more discipline um, to create new operating models and new processes that help our companies to be more resilient, right? Because that's what being agile in this during the pandemic really was about being a resilient organization that could figure out how to pivot and change based on their changing dynamics. I mean, if you were Zoom, this was, you know, really great. And all of a sudden your business took off like a rocket and you had to figure out how to, you know, keep that rocket up in the air. Yeah. And, yeah. and other companies, you know, I, I think of, I talked to colleagues uh, at Bank of America you know, they had to shift 20,000 employees to doing different things because you know what? A PPP loan or payment protection program loan didn't exist right. before the pandemic. And all of a sudden they had to process, I, you know, I don't know how many uh, right, applications right. for this new kind of small business loan that didn't even exist before the pandemic happened. So we had to like pivot and shift and move our talent in all kinds of different directions. And companies did it, you know, on a whim and they kind of figured their way out through it. But the realization, what they're figuring out now is, wow, people can move around and they like moving around and look at what we've accomplished in this time period. And gee, if we could just figure out how to do this at scale uh, without a pandemic, you know, the organization can really prosper. And I think a lot of people have been really energized by the new experiences that they've gotten exposure to. And, you know, companies need to figure out how to bottle that energy and enthusiasm. Right. Well, uh, one last question before we wrap up. Um, Your book, The Inside Gig, is written to help those within organizations become more adaptive. Um, something you know near and dear to my heart is is the freelance economy and you know with career gig. How do you see the gig or, or freelance economy um, affecting large companies as there's this shift in? And we've seen a lot even within the pandemic um, timeframe of of uh, formerly full time. Um, employees moving into a freelance and independent contractor um, mm-hmm. career, like how do you how do you see that affecting the the in house teams and the you know the the corporations? Yeah, you know, I strongly believe that there are several really specific ways that freelancers and independent contractors positively impact our workplace. Right. So first they provide us with greater capacity and speed when there's a surge and a, a specific project that needs to get completed or we need to do something quickly like 
doing PPP loans or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, so they fill in the gaps when a company doesn't have the, the talent that a company is needed to do something specific. Um, and, and that's really particularly when there's not a long-term need for that specific uh, skill gap. So we, so we don't have to have permanent employees, right? Um, so if we're unsure of how long we're going to need a particular skill set, or if we just need it to fill a capacity surge, that's a great use of freelance work. But also, second, I would say there are people with deeply specialized skills, uh, like myself, uh, who, you know, we just want to work on our own terms. So I'm, a, I'm that classic freelancer, right? I'm a independent consultant, sole proprietor, and I choose the projects that I work on because they are interesting to me um, and, you know, areas in which I think I can have an impact. So freelancers, contractors, consultants, they work on, on their own terms, but there is an increasing number of talent, really, really highly specialized talent that have chosen to go freelance because they want to work on their own terms. And the only way a company can tap into that talent is to hire them on, you know, a project basis. So we've had this uh, really significant talent shortage for quite a long time. And the pandemic hasn't changed that because the skill sets that um, created that talent shortage. Those those weren't the jobs that we lost in the pandemic, right? They, those right. were different kinds of jobs. They were jobs in travel and hospitality and retail, whereas you know the jobs uh, that are of uh, growing importance and really challenging to find have to do more with data analytics and artificial intelligence and um, you know some engineering type of technologies. So companies have to figure out how they're going to tap into those sources of talent. And it's really, it is this freelance market. So there is a place for that. But the one thing that we talk about in our book is if we're bringing in people, let's say data analytics, right? We're bringing in some talent to help us with data analytics. Companies are really short-sighted if they just bring in those people to work on a project and then go away if that's a capability that we need to build as a company. So companies need to bring in that talent and then figure out a way while they're working on that really important project to bring people along in the process. That is to help infuse those skills within the company by creating maybe skill communities where people can learn and grow and start to build that capability within the company yeah. by better utilizing some of these external resources. In other cases, there will be things that we need to do with these high-end skills that we just need for a short period of time, and that's fine. They can come in, do their thing, and go away. But sometimes we need those skills to stick around, and yeah. always just hiring those people as freelancers might not be in the company's best interest. But I have to say, unlike some of my colleagues who think that, you know, in the future, 100% of our business company is going to be all freelance talent, right? We're just right. going to move that way. I think that there's something very, very special. It's like a special sauce when we all come from the same company. So that is, 
you know, when people work in a company and a team comes together, people in the same company, they share the same norms and values. They know the same systems. They know the structure and the people and who to go to for what. When you have a team of external contractors come in, forming that team is a little bit harder and and slower. Um, So there are advantages to building project-based teams from your own internal talent um, over external talent. Now, we're going to fuse the two a lot, but I don't think that external freelancers will completely supplant our employees in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, even, even as the uh, co-founder of a, of a platform dedicated to, to freelance talent, I, I agree. I mean, I use the term like hybrid teams where I think there's just certain things where internal, internal employees and, and talent just, it just makes a lot more sense. And, and to, to your point, um, augmenting and highly specialized needs. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of use cases um, for freelancers and independent contractors, but yeah, I don't, I don't see a world where everyone is independent um, for the, for the reasons that you said. So no, I, I think that's, it's, a, it's important to, to think through. Yeah. I, I'm a huge user of freelance talent. And I just think about, you know, how smarter am I when I give a lot of presentations, right? And I learned a number of years ago that I'm pretty slow at actually creating PowerPoint decks. And I have an idea of what I want to do, but I'm, I'm not a creative graphic wizard. And so if I outsource that, and let a freelancer who's really passionate about and creative with their skills, if I offload that onto somebody to do that for me, A, I end up with a better and finished product, and B, I free up my time to do work where I add more value. Yeah. And so that's where I think the freelance world is just, it's absolute magic to be able to shift and focus on the work, that's your strength, and then to let somebody else who's really great and passionate about something do the other projects that perhaps uh, is not in your skill set. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, Edie, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Well, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn or you can check out my website, uh, www.elgoldberg.com. And certainly check out the inside gig, how sharing untapped talent across boundaries unleashes organization capacity. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Edie Goldberg, uh, founder of EL Goldberg and Associates and author of uh, the inside gig uh, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to the Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.